0: everybody and welcome to the spoiler warning podcast this is review number 746 with a review of fair play i'm christopher schnese
1: and i'm Stephen miller
0: and if you're joining us for the first time the spoiler warning podcast is a weekly film review program each week in the show we're going to dive in debate discuss and argue over the latest films coming to a theater near you or sometimes a streaming platform near you Um, in this case where we are talking about a little film called fair play which is now playing on netflix it made rounds a number of festivals Um, i'm sure there's Probably a way to see this in theaters somewhere,
1: maybe. Um, I don't know. I haven't. It, it's weird. It, it feels like it went directly from. It was a Sundance movie, right? And then, and then yeah. it also played at TIFF. And then we were going to catch it at SF Film. And then it feels like three days later, it was on Netflix already. <laughs> so if it did make it to theaters, I don't know. I don't know how, unless it's just a simultaneous. Um, yeah, I mean, release. it feels like
0: they're throwing it at every festival in existence. So I'm sure if yep. there's still a festival going on, like I didn't actually check, but it might be playing at Mill Valley Film Festival, or might mm. have played, because um, that was last week or something. Um, but I
1: think currently happening.
0: Yeah. E- either way, uh, you can catch this at Netflix at home, and we're going to be talking a little bit about this film and letting you know whether or not it's worth catching at home. But uh, before we start, Stephen, I just had a random question for you. Uh, sure. Do you think uh, these uh, analysts that work for the, I, I assume PM is portfolio manager, um, you know, if a portfolio manager gets a nice big old uh, a commission off of a sale, do you think they tip out to their analysts?
1: <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't believe that tends to be how executives at any, <laughs> any place operate, <laughs> unfortunately. I definitely would. That thinking- really would be nice. Yeah,
0: like obviously I have no idea how the actual hedge fund world works or how these relationships of like, hey, you're my analyst, go dig up all these numbers so I can make this call, but I was definitely like, hmm. Do they do the analysts know <laughs> that their PMs are getting are getting these fat commissions or not?
1: Yeah. It is uh it's pretty wild. I have done no search to check the authenticity of this. <laughs> of this movie at all the only things that I know to be authentic are things like Miro becoming a unicorn so, so they at least pulled in real headlines for the sake of uh, <laughs> I, I don't know making making it more lifelike but yeah power to the people rise up overthrow the p.m. <laughs> not product managers though those are good don't yeah, don't yeah, overthrow yeah. them so those are totally great <laughs> yeah <laughs> um all right, Steven. I, yeah, I was just curious about that. I wanted to get that over before we got into a, actually talking about the film proper. Yeah. Um, well, first, I, I have another question. Are you still planning on catching the Taylor Swift Eras tour?
0: Uh, is it going to get like a normal run, run, run? Um, like, or is this was was this like a one weekend only thing?
1: So it is an interesting rollout strategy where it is playing only weekends but it is like repeated weekends, but it isn't mm. playing during weekdays. I think because they're trying to make it more of a like event where a bunch of people can attend. That's gotcha. my, that's my hunch.
0: Uh, well then the answer to the question is possibly. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> then I, I, I guess I will hold off on any tentative review of, uh, of the era store <laughs> in the off chance that we, that we do talk about it in a later podcast. Um, but all I'll say is I've been mainlining like, foreign 1950s movies all weekend and i went straight from ordet which is like a very austere danish like beautiful movie from the 1950s but extremely slow and within 15 minutes i was in a rowdy screening of the (laughs) era store (laughs) it was step aside barbenheimer that is a great combination of (laughs) of things to witness um yeah i don't know i've Fans have asked us to talk about it on the podcast, so we'll see. Maybe we'll <laughs> talk about it later, depending on whether or not you see it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it might. It, I was supposed to see it last night, and then uh, fairly last minute, uh, you know, decisions were made to not see it. Um, so
1: I, I do want to get out and catch it. And, you know, why not? Why not talk about it, Steven? I will. At the last minute I subbed out, I had a ticket to see it in, like, the giant theater at Alamo, which was completely sold out. And then I subbed out to Theater 5, like a much smaller one, and I'm very glad I did because even Theater 5, the kids running around screaming were outrageous, and I can't imagine <laughs> multiplying that by like oh, a factor no. of 20.
0: <laughs> well, at least in the main theater, it might have been a not
1: kid-friendly I think all screening. of them said kid-friendly, but maybe oh. nighttime it wasn't. I, did, I didn't check any night screenings.
0: Interesting. All right. Well. Beware. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm excited, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> but for now, I'm also excited to talk about Fair Play. So what do you say we get into it, Stephen? Let's do it. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Fair Play and then come back and give you all a review. How did I get so lucky? Are you talking about me or your job?
1: Okay. Oh. Sorry. We're getting
0: married. We're getting married. I wish we could tell the whole world.
1: We're going to have to tell them sooner than later. Morning. Winning. I think it's the right time to admit we're breaking policy.
0: I hear you're taking over for Quinn.
1: What? I overheard it on a call. We're going to go grab a drink. you want to join?
0: Made half the big calls last quarter long. No?
1: So, what do you want?
0: He's promoting me.
1: Congratulations.
0: I'm sorry.
1: Why? I'm so happy for you.
0: Okay. Wonder how she got the fast pass. Reporting to her? Jesus, man. Look into this, let me know what you think. I'm still working on the three from before. Okay, I'll make this one the
1: priority. Can I buy another? Now that you're making more money than me? <laughs> oh. What are you doing? You know it's just a game. You played very well. Are you gonna pitch me Campbell? I don't think it's a good idea. We both can't keep working here. I'm not quitting. This firm has become my religion. You have become my god. You give me this opportunity, I will give you everything I got.
0: Are you out of your mind? you are gonna end our relationship by setting off a bomb. We all do filthy things, but we don't trick it back into the office.
1: It's so hard to accept that I deserve that job. I never
0: got the shot. This job, it's killing us. all right so that was the trailer for fair play Uh, reading the description here from imdb an unexpected promotion at a cutthroat hedge fund pushes a young couple's relationship to the brink threatening to unravel far more than their recent engagement stephen miller what did you think of fair play
1: So I've got to say, I knew so much less than what the trailer reveals (laughs) Um, (laughs) that our listeners may have just heard. Uh, Going into this movie, I knew absolutely nothing. Maybe I knew back during Sundance and then forgot what the premise of this movie was. But all I knew was it's a movie called Fair Play. I'm going to watch it. Let's see what this is. And the way it unfolds not knowing what kind of story it is going to be is wild in a way that i think actually works extremely well uh because this movie tonally jumps back and forth and back and forth and i think i I would urge people to check out this movie looking up nothing else about plot details other than whatever is revealed in the trailer you know don't go hunting for like spoilers or anything um i thought this movie was actually pretty fucking great Um, and i'm a little curious that this doesn't seem to be getting a lot of conversation at least not a lot of online conversation about what a wild movie this is to me this is two movies smashed together in a way that i really really like Uh, on the one hand this is a kind of high concept is the wrong word but it has that kind of like social ferocity of like promising young woman or the Royal hotel, or one of those movies that is about like, we are going to make a story about what it feels like to be a, a woman in a shitty male dominated place. And we're going to like make the audience sit in it. And we're going to have something to say about that. And maybe some righteous anger in the process. And then it combines that with the fucking trashiest, trashiest (laughs) late (laughs) eighties, early nineties movie that Michael Douglas should be in. Um, just like it's billed as an erotic thriller and i don't think it is but i don't know what else to call it like the movie just mashes together like high and low in a way that i thought was really really riveting and a lot of fun to watch and also challenging and disconcerting and it like it winds in ways that i just never saw coming and i like I was not looking forward to it because I didn't know what it was. I was like, okay, fine. I'll I'll spend two hours in watching this movie so we have something to talk about on the podcast. And then I'll go back <laughs> to my, like, snobby 1950s marathon. Um, and I was totally captivated <laughs> the, the whole time. Um, I think Phoebe Dynavor and Alden Ehrenreich, the two leads, are both, like, really great here. Like, in very, very, very different roles. Uh, The character of Emily, she gets to kind of be the... She's the audience surrogate. She's the person that you're watching the movie through. And Alden Ehrenreich, as Luke, gets to just be such a shit-eating, like, piece of garbage (laughs) in the movie. I don't know if it's a spoiler for me to say that. Maybe I shouldn't have. Um, (laughs) the, The douchebaggery definitely comes out in this movie. And I think he handles that while also keeping you guessing as to how redeemable he is going to be and how much the movie is going to reverse itself. I I just think it works really, really, really well. And I, yeah, I don't know. I had a fucking blast. It, it goes all over the place. Um, It veers into some pretty dark territory. You could very rightly say it is maybe uh, a little bit too casual in throwing very like heavy concepts at you, but I just thought it was such a like in your face experience but i i don't know i walked away being really surprised and quite uh quite positive on this one i'm really curious how you feel about (laughs) fair play
0: (laughs) um well so so i also didn't really listen or hear anything about this film going into it but i do remember reading you know the description back when we were potentially going to try to book it for sundance um and ended up not and i like from what i remembered Or all I really remembered about it was like, hey, this is about a couple who is in this cutthroat investing company and they're maintaining a relationship there. And there was going to be some sort of dissection of the dynamics of, you know, of uh, a relationship and how Mm -hmm. being in that sort of industry might. Mess with that relationship, so I was like alright cool, and maybe this is sort of an expectation versus reality sort of situation for me Mm -hmm. Um, This film I did not vibe with um, the way that you did Um, for me, I I think I think what it comes down to You know, I was also surprised going in because I I didn't know what the beats were gonna be but for me what I was expecting is a Film that was actually dissecting the rela- I, I, what I wanted was the hedge fund version of Backspot, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? right? You know, yeah. I wanted something where it was like two people in this industry both dealing with their relationship, um, hiding that relationship at work, and then what being in a cutthroat industry does to their working relationship. And instead, what I got was something you already alluded to. What, what basically what we get. Is a unintentional prequel to don 't worry, darling um, and that for me really took away from my enjoyment in the film, not because I have a problem with that story necessarily, but what i want like i I feel like the relationship aspects are so far like there's no real dissection happening there's no real mm. how would you handle this it's always one person's pretty shitty and the other person clearly doesn't shouldn't have to deal with the shitty person there there's no what i wanted was gray area and a slow unraveling not a pretty seated early on oh shit i know where this is going now mm. okay now i'm just watching it play out sort of film and i feel like you know as you said it's billed as a sexy erotic thriller or whatever and i felt like it really wanted to be that schlocky sexy romantic thriller and the actual thriller part was not a lot there until like shit really starts hitting the fan later right, right. like like uh, there's like this huge ramp up of like where mm, like even the dynamics of having people in a relationship where one person is reporting up to the other person like it's not like there's a lot of Emily abusing her power, right? Like, like you, you almost yeah. don't really see them at work. You always, most of the relationship is them after work talking about the fact that they were working earlier. And I kind of right. feel like this is another example of characters and relationships that could just tell them the information they know. And you could probably avoid a lot of problems by telling the other person the thing that you know that you're withholding Ooh, from them. I
1: think I disagree. I, I think okay. I disagree that that applies to this movie.
0: Well, what we, I mean, we, we can if we want to do a mini spoiler segment, we can talk about it. But I, I, yeah. I think I think for me, what obviously I, was, I I had miscalibrated going into this film. But I think what would have helped me is a film that was told from one person's point of view and not the others. And I feel like this film, to me, it's for ill. But it seems like this film wants to show this story from both people's point of view um Mm -hmm. like obviously emily's the one going on the real journey but i feel like we spend so much time where luke is making assumptions about emily in a way that i think would be more interesting if we didn't see like if the film allowed for things he's assuming to potentially be true and we're watching a film where it's like oh shit now because obviously like the dynamic at play here is not two level-headed people trying to struggle with what happens when one of them gets promoted. This is clearly two people who deserve different things. And I just felt like that was a less strong film. And then you hinted at this film getting into the pretty dark territory. And I was, I was very disappointed by the way this film like shoehorns that in right at the end and then has characters just state things and then doesn't actually deal with that thing that it is bringing up and I, I just to me I thought this film was very messy and mm-hmm. I felt like from early on I knew exactly everything I was gonna get and then I got it and it was like sure there were moments where you're like oh this is good. this is gonna unravel pretty heavily but it's like I already knew where it was going and I kind of felt like it was trying to be more titillating both sexually and like uh, thriller-ness Without actually having something to say about these dynamics and really dissecting them, so that, that was kind of how I felt about this film
1: interesting i I, I totally get it. it it makes sense it's just funny because I walked away with such a different experience of the movie, and my like i wasn 't calibrated at all, but when the movie started, because again, I had no idea what it was going to be about first of all, and even the opening, I guess we can just talk about in spoilers, but it starts like right out the bat declaring to you kind of what level of high versus low it's willing to go <laughs> um, yeah. but shortly after it started i was like is this going to be like a mr and mrs smith story or are they going to be like spies that are fighting each other like i had no idea what the movie was going to be at all <laughs> about this couple and so f- for whatever reason for me it didn't It clearly is always following, or I guess it literally doesn't always follow Emily's point of view, but I would say like 90% of the movie takes place from her POV, not Luke's. And it, other than clearly following her the whole way through, I didn't feel like I knew how it was going to unravel and was just waiting for it to happen. I still, maybe I am like a a toxic man, uh, but I still kept thinking the movie was going to (laughs) find a way to not redeem, but at least like. I, 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 it wasn't as clear to me what the movie was going to do, I guess. Um, I, I totally hear you on the desire for it to have been a more like deep, sensitive introspection on what would happen to a couple in this situation. The, the best that I can square that is I feel like this was a very heightened, amplified version of that. But I still thought the points that hit on resonated, at least for me, of like the for all the terribleness that exists in this movie, like the kind of outright melodrama that happens, it does give you space for like the, the conversations where Emily is trying to say the right thing, but it doesn't land the right way to Luke or like the instant weirdness of like the power imbalance at play or the fact that she makes more money than him or the, the idea of it being kind of like impossible for them to get through this. Um, I thought it handled that in a way that it was not subtle at all. I would never ever ever say this movie <laughs> is subtle, but I thought it gave me I thought it gave me enough kind of like keenly observed versions of that that I still felt like it did a good job at telling its uh telling the story it wanted to tell i didn 't feel like it was the only schlock. I felt like it was both at the same time all the way through, and that was what seemed cool to me um because like we've seen movies that do one or, you know, they start one way and go the other, right? Like I've praised Ready or Not was a lot of fun. And I think we were at least pretty positive on Promising Young Woman uh, when it came out. But both of those movies are kind of like, we are going to start by seeming like we might be telling one kind of, story about a realistic thing that happens and then it's going to spiral and spiral until it becomes like huge and here i feel like from the opening to the close is huge and also realistic like it's doing both of those things in parallel and i felt like it i felt like it got the levels right in a way that made it like really entertaining to me but also um challenging is the wrong word because it wasn't like i was personally challenged but it it provoked enough while also being like popcorn trashy um yeah, Fun and I I just feel like I haven't seen a lot of movies this decade that have managed to pull that off um, and so I I was happy and also bewildered by why Netflix <laughs> Let it exist because this does not seem like the kind of thing that would live on Netflix.
0: <laughs> yeah but I, I guess for me like part of Maybe it's because I saw strings too many strings like we, we've already mm-hmm. you know the trailer already played we know that um the couple thinks one of them is going to get promoted and then the other one gets promoted but it was like because i knew the type of story we were going to be telling as soon as she says oh i heard that it's going to be you who gets promoted i was like okay well clearly she's going to get promoted i mean i hadn't i hadn't seen the trailer Mm -hmm. yet but like in in the course of the film where i was like as soon as they say it's him i knew instantly it was going to be her and i was like okay so now i'm going to see what this film is where it's like he can't handle having her be the one that's promoted over, over over him but like in the context of the film itself, there is no world in which any other employee there would have overheard a conversation that sounded like Luke was going to get it right like mm-hmm. so it it's it feels artificial. The more we learn about Luke's presence in that company and how good or not he is as an employee, the less i found I found it likely like i, I didn 't believe that. Anybody would have overheard that Luke might be the one who gets the promotion mm. and it became like a thing where I was like, okay, well, like you're just artificially manufa- manufacturing th- this tension that would have never been there. Like I'm not saying that like nothing would unravel if Luke didn't think he was going to get it and then Emily got it. <laughs> you know, Like clearly things still would have uh, unraveled eventually, but it feels like the film is like playing in this space where it doesn't care whether it's realistic. It's going for like tropes of relationships and tropes of dynamics of toxic men and like I I know I I guess I didn't I, I didn't buy it I guess I, I, <laughs> that sounds silly like but... to me
1: I, I guess we can talk we should have a mini spoiler section I guess uh, the to me the way information is doled out to us makes a distinction between what a peer or a bystander would think of how good everyone is at their job and what the bosses in the know would think. And to me that doesn't to me that rumor could have easily still happened Be, just in the same way that Emily genuinely seems to believe and feel strongly uh, about Luke's ability to get that you know, get that raise. And and she is an analyst like him. Like she sits there, she knows the same kind of things that other people in the office would know. So I I, I don't know. To me I feel like I I believed it. Like, I I don't have any problem with that. But I also am just dumb, I guess, because I didn't see the strings. (laughs) I I totally had no idea that this was going to be about, like, Luke doesn't get it and she gets it. And then what is going to happen to them? I had no idea what the movie was going to do. I I still thought maybe Mr. and Mrs. Smith was (laughs) going to happen. Man, you you really did have a good time (laughs) with this film. I did. I just like I just a spotless mind enjoying the roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I as soon as he
0: started ordering um self-help books online I was like oh fuck
1: I was oh sure hard- from there uh-huh. I could I could see the the crisis he's going through I it, it's not like for the whole movie I was like oh yeah you know pretty equal <laughs> pretty even he, he might he might still turn it around fair play <laughs> I didn't I didn't see that. I I just felt like the movie was heightening the dynamic between the two of them and I thought it could have still chosen later to turn it back down to realism. Like I had no idea what the movie was going to do with it basically yeah. until the end. I I had hopes of what it was going to do and it did that. Like it I I won't get into it. We'll get into it in spoilers. Um but I really <laughs> didn't know because the movie just seemed like such a wild um you know, it, it's like first it's about people who are Maybe already like not good for each other, or at least they're like both kind of reckless, and they're living this high finance life where you're sleeping like two hours a night and getting trashed and all the, all this other thing. So it's like, throw us into that world. What is this like Wall Street? um You know, again Michael Douglas <laughs> type of thing. Going to be like, um, and then it becomes about that power dynamic. And for all I knew, it was going to spiral into something else. Like I, I just had no idea what the movie was doing, and I. I had a fucking good time. Yeah.
0: So. I I also think that uh, watch this
1: while you're dumb is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: I, I I I do I do also want to ask, do you do you think they were doing a good job about hiding their relationship? Like I feel like if you're in this fancy industry where everybody's going out to these, you know, swanky dinner spots and stuff, I feel like always being out on a date with a person that you live with, like just just taking different trains to work <laughs> is mm-hmm. is kind of, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like they're not being that sneaky, right? Like, I feel like there's plenty of opportunities, especially if you're going out to, like, like the one fancy restaurant on this one block, like, that people are going to find you. Also... Uh, when she does get promoted, her driver doesn't recognize him as being somebody from the office
1: as well. That, so the, the driver part, I was trying to decide <laughs> if this is like an uber black situation or what the deal is here. Um, but it, my headcanon, and I was not paying enough attention to the New York geography to know, was that they do not live in like the financial district or anything like that and so they are not the places they would hang out are not the places that anyone would see them that that was kind of my uh my theory of the case at least they would hang out in this like totally different neighborhood that is like too unclassy or whatever for your typical finance bro to to be there
0: oh i i guess i just assume that they are traveling to the fancy neighborhood doing the fancy stuff and then traveling Mm. back you know when they're when they're going out at 3 a.m to to have their fun party times um mm. and I, I just assumed they were still doing that in the same areas as uh where they were going i mean she knew what pumps was
1: <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> the, this movie made me uh, made me tired by the way between this and every 50s movie that i watch people go out and they're like the night's still young it's only two in the morning like people <laughs> i'm tired just thinking about that kind of lifestyle <laughs> the, isn't it fun getting old steven <laughs> It sure is. <laughs> All right.
0: Um, any last thoughts before we get into our verdicts, our goodbyes, and then into spoilers?
1: Uh, no, I, I, I can't defend this any more than I already have. I think it's uh, it is absolutely uh, kind of pulpy, lowbrow Th- thriller. Again, I think is the wrong word. I, I don't know what the right word is. It's a psychological something. But I think it pairs it with this kind of, um, I don't know, message about being a woman in a boys club type industry. And I thought that combination was just really well executed and it was bold. And I just I don't have a lot of movies in any recent memory that I feel like stuck the landing on both of those things at the same time. So to me, this was just a. It, put, it puts the, the vegetables in with like the red, red, red meat in a way that I just uh, I got a kick out of it. So I think you will not be bored watching this movie. Oh, that's yeah. My, I was never bored. That's my closing statement. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, cool. All right. Well, Steven, let's get to verdicts then. Let's find out how not bored you were. <laughs> if you're going to give us a must see, a record of the caveat, wait for until pass with the caveat or must avoid, what would you give it?
1: I mean, I gotta say, I gave this four stars on Letterboxd, so I'm giving this a musty. I I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was a blast and it again, even <laughs> though it's been in the festival circuit all year, to me it came out of nowhere and I was <laughs> I was really fucking into it.
0: Oh, I'm so glad that you loved it, Steven. <laughs> <laughs> uh for me it's gonna be a wait for rental, which is convenient because it's on Netflix right now and you can just go watch it. So uh yeah, I yeah, I had my problems with it. We'll talk about it more in spoilers um but uh yeah that's gonna do it for the non-spoiler segment of our review of fair play Stephen miller if people want to find you throughout the week where can they do that
1: uh, you can find me at s david miller on every social network you can think of uh, or s david
0: if you can find me at chris or ChristopherIRL on a number of different social platforms including mastodon.social um, you, can find this, you can find the podcast over at thespoilthewarning.com. We can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from a track selected from Artlist.io, so hopefully you're enjoying that. That track is playing now. That track is going to fade up. We're going to take a few second break and when we're back, we're going to be talking full-blown spoilers for fair play so um you know if you don't want things to unravel you should go watch the film and then come back and then uh, listen to that conversation all right see you in a second
1: bye bye
0: All right, we are back. This is the after part of a review of Fair Play. We are talking full-blown spoilers for Fair Play. Stephen Miller, where do you want to start?
1: I I guess I'll start with a... uh maybe relatively easy. I won't start with like the most controversial thing, which is at the end, which I am already going to say I'm not well-equipped to speak to other than the movie was directed by a woman. And therefore I just have a little bit more trust in uh, how they (laughs) handled it. Um, But first you made a statement that this is one of those movies that if someone could just make both characters sit down and like say exactly what is on their mind, the, the drama would go away or not the drama. The problem would go away. And I assume what you're talking about is Emily has spoken to Campbell, uh, Eddie Marson's character, who is like the big boss who said in unequivocal terms, um, he does not like Luke. Luke has no future prospects here. He's been wanting to fire Luke for a while. Right. Yeah. And so Emily knows that Luke, has no chance at rising in this company, whereas Luke thinks he has a chance and is motivated to. And I assume that is what you mean, as if like Emily could have just gone to him and told him, hey, this is the conversation that happened. This is what I know. They could have played it differently. Is that what you're referring to? Or is there something else?
0: Yeah. So uh, before I fully answer it, let me back up even further and say like the other statement that I made, which is it's just tied. It's tied to this whole conversation is just that like I don't, i I know i didn't buy that the inciting incident which is luke i heard a rumor it's going to be you let's celebrate and then you Mm -hmm. can help me get promoted and then like that whole thing that sort of sets everything in motion and then him freaking out when it turns out that it's not him the reason why i don't think anybody would have would have overheard something that it's going to be him is because everybody knows the big mistakes he's made. This is not just the boss hates him and doesn't like him. He was only hired as a favor, which other people might not know. But on top of that, he has made really bad bets. So he is not somebody who should become a PM at this company. And it's not like those bets would be secret, right? Because like when she makes when she makes her bet, which pays off, to make up for the bet that she made on his behalf, which was terrible, uh, everybody in the office knows exactly what she did both times, right? The entire office knows like, oh, you did that really shitty. You, you made a really bad call. And then she comes back in the next day and they're like, oh,
1: my God, you totally brought it around. Let's go to the strip mm-hmm. club, right? <laughs> so, yeah. You're right. Well, they know the PM. I don't know if they know the analyst that brought it to them. See, because so- Luke Luke's self narrative, at least, when he's talking to Emily and what Emily believes when she is pitching Campbell on Luke being a great person to get a raise is he's made a ton of really good bets to Quinn and like pointed to examples. And this, I think the point of the movie is like it's it's easy to be biased toward only the good things that you can brag about and then have a rationale quote in your own mind behind why the bad things didn't happen and i totally buy that no one who isn't the manager would have that like clarity of where did this come from how are we evaluating people but
0: you really think that when he fucks up he doesn't go home and tell her like i i I refuse to believe that she wouldn't know even if it isn't spreading outside of who his his p.m. Was I Hmm. feel like when he's super depressed when he comes home. She'd be like, oh shit. What happened? Oh That's right. Your boss made a bad call So like, you know, I I feel like maybe I mean maybe he's been lying because he is a toxic guy and he's been lying the whole time But I feel that like she she would know one way or another that he was part of really bad calls that were made and it wasn't like he was coming home and saying like man friggin' my boss is so terrible if he would have not been there i would have made the right like you know like it's it's not like he's spinning that he's like shit we were a part of this bad thing you know i'm sure he was like we're in the doghouse now because we made this big mistake and stuff like that so it's like to me i was kind of like oh you should have known that he wasn't a candidate for this role based on yeah, just the but, relationship that you have
1: but i just remember even when some of that criticism of him happens his narrative, which again can be can be toxic, it can also just be like the self justification of everyone in in their own mind has a reasoning behind it. He was convinced or at least he told Emily like they're making me take the fall for his boss I think Quinn's bad bet like in, in his mind, those big examples of failure were not him, and like he was the fall guy for it, whether true or false i'm I just totally would believe that a group of people in the office could be deluded into thinking this guy who seems to have a lot of bravado or whatever is doing great because he brags about when he wins and the losses get absorbed by the PM like that. To me, that would be a totally believable situation. And it kind of ties in with the whole, just like everyone in the office, uh, you know, because they're misogynistic assholes, they don't believe Emily earned her spot. They're like, how the hell did this person get this? You know, she must've fucked the boss. And that's because there isn't transparency, right? Like, they don't know what the actual bosses know, which is Emily is, like, amazing and has yeah. made a lot of really a rock good calls. Star. That, <laughs> yeah, because that transparency just doesn't exist in that environment, like, for the people who are trying to fight each other to the top. Basically, yeah, yeah. it's all perception. That That's my answer for that. So,
0: so, so I'll concede that. Um, and then I'll get back to the question you actually asked me, which is, like, do I think that things would have been better if Emily was just, like look, it was never going to be you. The boss actually has this thing out for you and he is actively hurting your progress at this company because he just doesn't like you. And this is a problem. And like when when she says, like by by going out of her way to say that she's trying to help him get promoted, even if she actually is, maybe she's trying to like, make the boss come around on him Mm -hmm. but it really feels like she just doesn't want to have that conversation with him and once again I'm not I'm not blaming the victim here I'm not saying that like she brought it on herself I'm saying that like just characters should just say like look this is this is the honest to God truth is the boss hates you the only reason he hasn't fired you is because it's a favor to somebody else he will never promote you you like I will do what I can to protect you, but I don't think promotion is in your future. How do we want to handle this? Because like, you know, and it could still be like a thing where like that turns into, well, fuck him. You should quit the job too, because like obviously we don't need them. And then the relationship could still unravel because she's like, well, I just made PM. Why am I gonna quit this job? Because he hates you. Like you Mm -hmm. can get your own like it it could still unravel and do all the things this film wants to do i just feel like that's a pretty vital piece of information that this person and at that point too they're still in love right things haven't unraveled yet she's worried about things unraveling because she got promoted when she told him he was going to get promoted but i feel like just getting like it, it is a live hand grenade where she's already pulled the pin and she's just holding the little lever And it's like, Mm -hmm. as soon as she hands that to him, eventually it's going to explode and she knows it's going to explode and, and by not throwing it away from the beginning, she's just like causing a bunch of like extra damage that's going to happen down the road when this finally comes out. It just felt like it was like, come on, just, just say it, just don't hide it because that's like, he's already suspicious of a bunch of things. And if you're a party to this other bit of information there's no way he's going to interpret it well, (laughs) you know, like you got to just get out in front of that right away. And I feel like that's a thing that like, I, once again, not trying to blame her. I'm just saying that like, if she got out in front of it, it's one disaster that could have been avoided, even though that Mm -hmm. was not necessarily a recoverable situation. But I feel like by hiding it, she wasn't doing herself any favors.
1: Okay. So I understand. And I, for the most part, I agree with you to, to me My understanding of your criticism, when you said it before, usually when you say this would be solved if people just said, you know, said the thing to each other, usually when we say that, it's like, and why didn't they? You know, is an underlying part of it. And the reason they didn't is because the movie needs them not to. Yeah. In this case, I think it is 100% believable why she wouldn't, right? Um, Oh, yeah.
0: It's believable in this case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I didn't mean to imply that 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 it wasn't.
1: (laughs) <laughs> that that was mostly what I wanted to talk about. I do think, and you already made it clear, it isn't clear that it would have worked out well either way. I do think, like, if I were their, you know, um, couples therapist or something, <laughs> I, I would have also advised just rip off the Band-Aid, say it right at the beginning. But you can totally imagine, too, right? Like, he's already hurting because she got a raise. If she immediately came back and, like, kicked him even further what is that going to do to him? Like you can totally see for perfectly quote, good reasons why someone would be like, let me, let me not, you know, the, the big boss is an asshole, but he can't, you know, he can't argue with results. So let's see. Cause I, cause at this point she thinks Luke is still great. And like, maybe she has doubt now because Campbell said negative things about Luke, but she also isn't like that personally. She hasn't experienced his recklessness yet, basically. So I, I, I agree that in any kind of relationship, it would be better to just say the thing straight up. But I can also imagine a million ways that he would have responded badly and would have thrown a pity party. And it would have been, like, even worse at the beginning. And if she believes there is hope of him doing better, and then at least, like, then she can break the news to him after he has a win. And it's like, okay, you really deserved it. They still didn't do it. I'm going to lay it out. Here's what the people have been saying. Yeah. Um, I, to me and you're not arguing with it i just think it makes so much sense that i can't really fault the fact that it didn't happen
0: and and, and yeah it's totally realistic that people in a relationship would act that way i'm, I'm less complaining about the film and more complaining about the couple <laughs> yeah you know because yeah. to me to me if you're holding a thing which later can be wielded as a weapon you should you know it's a, a nuclear disarmament or whatever right it's mm-hmm. like it's like hey Let's bury this in the ground and explode it now so that we're not tempted to fire it later on. Um, It's like a thing where it's like, and it does, it comes out later, right? In the middle of a big heated argument, it's like, he doesn't even like you. He wanted to fire you. And it's like, if you would have just had that conversation already, that would be gone. And you can't weaponize that information. And it's like,
1: it's... Though then... Of course, things are far more heated when it comes out, but we saw what his actual response is when it happens is to do the absolute worst thing <laughs> and think that he can push it. So she knows him well enough that she was maybe trying to protect him from himself. Now, we don't know if Luke prior to these events would have behaved that way, gone down on his hands and knees and begged, yeah, you know. know, or try it. But from the advice he gives her, it kind of seems like he maybe would have. <laughs> um, so I, basically she might have known... Something that we didn't know at the time that she withheld the information, which is that this guy, like, he's got a cockiness to him that she knows would backfire against Campbell, but she doesn't hate him for yet, basically. I mean, he sucks. (laughs) He sucks all the way through. But (laughs) I think she can love him and still know some of his flaws and want to protect him from himself in that, that moment. Uh, so, so I, I do
0: want to before we start to get some of the heavier stuff. I do want to say one more thing about like the the money differential in this race, relationship. I feel like the film doesn't do a good job at quantifying that in a way that is meaningful. You know, outside of the check that I jokingly referred to at the beginning of this mm-hmm. film, right? So, not count- a half
1: million dollars she gets. Yeah, yeah,
0: not not counting the half million dollar commission she gets from from that one uh, sale that she that she she. I mean she shouldn't tip him out for that even if it is and, that, and
1: that's a check too right That that's probably post tax that's fucking yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge.
0: um but outside of that i don't really get from the context of this this feels more like the promotion is the uh you want the the now the word's escaping me the like the clout that comes with being a pm it's not quite clear to me until i see the check for the commission what a pm role is versus an analyst role it all feels Mm -hmm. kind of like we're all working towards the same thing and just like working to become that higher it feels like a status thing more than a monetary thing because nothing about their life necessarily implies that like they're not able to live the life they like once she becomes the pm we don't see her Doing anything differently other than going out with the other people that are are at her level, right? It's not like oh now she's Buying seven houses in the Hamptons and like all that, you know, like there's no the film doesn't communicate Like other than that one scene in the bar where he's like oh now that you're making more money than me Like you don't actually see what that meaningfully means for their relationship or how that could possibly change anything You know, she's not suddenly buying you know, oh, let's move out of this apartment that we have to like some really swanky place. And he's like, I can't afford this. And she's like, but I can. You know, like there's no, we're not seeing that sort of become part of the argument. So it almost feels like that has no bearing on anything in this film. And it could easily be a problem. But this film is so wanting to have him be wildly toxic on his own without needing anything to be the thing that is inciting it other than the fact that she was promoted and it just feels kind of like it feels a little one note right like it did it didn't want to actually play with the with the bounce there just kind of like puts its cards on the table and says like yeah yeah you know this causes problems now let's go forward and I kind of that's why I wanted more I wanted more conversations where like people could actually discuss what it means to have these Mm -hmm. these power differentials money differentials and all that stuff but this film doesn't really want to comment on that at all.
1: Yeah, I I totally get it. Um, one thing that I think impacts that is the timeline of the film. And I, I don't remember if they lay it out, but I feel like this movie takes place over the course of like a week. Um, and it feels really fast. It's, like, it's incredibly... Like, I don't think they have a single weekend, basically. Um, she gets the promotion. One of her first moves after the promotion is throwing Luke a bone and having him look at stuff. And then he comes back with a really bad suggestion and then she saves the day. And then there's like a engagement party. <laughs> um So I feel like I buy that because it's weird from the very beginning and she's just been thrust into this new role. Like she literally hasn't gotten a paycheck yet. <laughs> um And obviously there would be some HR conversation about how much you're going to make and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but yeah. I believe that it could be such a whirlwind that they wouldn't have even grappled with um how fucking rich she is uh, i mean that i can't get over it. that bonus <laughs> let me let me join that company. I'll deal with <laughs> screaming boss for a little while.
0: <laughs> but steven you got to make the call correctly. It's not mm-hmm. just uh, you know, you could also lose fifteen billion dollars <laughs> in, in one. Yeah, bad well, call. That,
1: that's why those bonus that those commissions are so weird because like they don't do a negative commission yeah. <laughs> when you make a terrible call later, right? <laughs> <laughs> like every commission, I guess they you... fire you. I guess that's the negative yeah. commission.
0: Every commission you get goes into this escrow account.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have to make enough good calls to be able to withdraw money from that. Yeah. If this were a law firm instead of a finance firm, they would definitely come up with something like that. <laughs> um one more thing before we get to the ending. But I feel like it it actually can like build up to the ending. Um I feel like this movie makes more sense instead of thinking it about an exploration of the relationship and what what does this kind of power dynamic due to a relationship i think it is very very focused for better or worse on what does it feel like to be a woman in that environment and from there you can kind of lay out like every event that happens as different versions of the impossible catch-22 she's in right like She gets the promotion. It's awkward. So she tries to be delicate about it and not hurt his feelings. As you already mentioned, you know, it backfires that she tried to not hurt his feelings. Um, Yeah. She tries to help him and he sees it as being like condescending. You know, uh, he wants to instead like big dick it and give her ideas. And then she's stuck holding the bag when his idea was terrible. Um, People around her are murmuring that she didn't earn the job. You know, the boss will turn on a dime luke wants her to dress more like an executive you know quote not like a cupcake and then when she changes how she dresses then he and everyone else like resent that she is like looking attractive like it over and over again the movie is doing this thing where it's like no matter what she does she's fucked right like no matter how she plays the situation it is going to backfire and be wielded against her by luke because at the end of the day he just can't stand that she is doing better than him um And I feel like as the movie progresses, it just becomes this litany of, like, all the, you know, heightened, but, like, all the different terrible things that could happen to her in this environment. Until by the end, like, the one last thing after Luke has no shred of dignity or anything. He has no power over her in any scenario, but he's still a man, and he can still fucking hurt her and do terrible things to her. And to me, that is, like, that is my explanation for why the movie ends and what it explicitly calls a rape scene, uh, you know, which is horrible and not treated delicately at all in the movie. It's treated very much as like a scandalous um, escalation, though. I do think the fallout of the scene does bring it down to earth more where it is showing her like real trauma and shakenness about it after the fact. It doesn't like just discard it. But in my mind, it makes sense as like a, how far will Luke spiral and no matter how few legs he has to stand on, he will still find a way to make things worse for her or try to like exert power. And that, that was kind of how I interpreted it. Um, It it is definitely shocking. I would not have written that. um, But that is like my, at least explanation for how it worked. And I felt like um, I felt like the director handled it well enough that I didn't feel like squeak squeaky about it.
0: Yeah, the, the I guess the, the the squeakiness that I got from it was the way it was like in case you didn't see what I did there, I'm going to have the character state it in this other scene and then it's gone. Like he reacts, he he was like what are you talking about? But then it's it's like it just goes on from that and it's like the mm. film is not willing to deal with the event but they wanted to make sure the audience knew what was happening in that scene. So if you weren't, if you weren't, uh, understanding in the moment of what was going on, they make the character state it for you, but then they don't actually they don't, they don't discuss it at all. It's just kind of like, Oh, and by the way, that was rape back there. Now let's go on to this other scene of violence that is unrelated to that now. And it's, it kind of felt like a weird, I just, I was like, oh, I, I felt like I had such whiplash from mm. the, that that choice to present it in that that manner. Like, you I mean you you get her thinking about it from the moment it ends to like the morning after and stuff like that. But then they just like, oh, I'm gonna throw it out in this one line. But the actual part of this fight is still about the business stuff, not about this. Like it, it's not like it was a last straw or anything. Like it just feels mm. like a. It felt like a. Like I don't know, it, it felt weird. Like it, it was like handholdy, but then it didn't want to actually deal with it, mm. like or say anything about it. It just wanted to make sure that you caught that that's what it was. And that, that yeah. kind of it was such a weird feeling to me, where I was like,
1: "This should be what the argument is about now." <laughs> like, yeah, I feel I feel like this makes me want to rewatch the final scene because my memory of it is not. That My memory of it is that he comes to the apartment and he's trying to act like totally normal and he's leaving and he's being the, quote, you know, thoughtful, you know, ending on good terms type of person. And then she blows up and she's like, we're not on good terms. We can't be on good terms. And then she tells him, you know, you raped me. And my memory is right after that, he like denies. And then he stops denying and then she, like, goes off and unloads on all the terrible things that happen. And then it's immediately escalated into the knife and the wanting him to pay. And to me, all of that was, like, that was a last straw type of thing. To me, it was all wrapped up together. I didn't feel like it, like, then circled back and went uh, to be about his, like, um, behavior at the workplace. I've, I i don't know. It, <laughs> it, and maybe I need to, like, rewatch it, it to see how it looped back. But to me, to me, it never comes back from that moment, basically. To me, it, like, stays in that hmm. realm. And then it's all her, like wanting to hurt him back or like yeah. wanting to get some way of like how can I fucking make this piece of garbage no he's pe- he doesn't get to leave you know and to me that was very much tied with what he did to her
0: yeah I, I guess I guess for me like like she 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 brings it up because she cause as you said she's like this is why we're not on good terms let's talk about last night and he he, he, he denies it but I never I never interpreted it as a as a him stopping to deny it it just seemed like it's it it just it, it snowballed over the one event and just became about everything. And I guess mm-hmm. that like to me, to me, him crying and bleeding for her is not him acknowledging what he did.
1: Right. And I mean, she does quite literally make him acknowledge what he did in the like pleading, but it's under threat of knife, so it isn't necessarily yeah, a, yeah, you know, yeah an I'm, honest apology.
0: Yeah, but but it it, it just feels like there's. It feels like what she did was assert her own power over him. It was like she mm. had power the entire time, but now she literally <laughs> like took mm. everything. from. And it, it felt like more like a, it felt more like a fuck yeah, like you're supposed to cheer in a theater, not a actual definitive he learned a lesson from it. Mm-hmm. kind of situation oh yeah i don't
1: i don't know that he learns the lesson i i kind of think the movie wants to end with i don't give a shit if he learns a lesson i just want him to not walk around the world feeling like a winner <laughs> oh may- maybe
0: <laughs> maybe i just interpreted her like now wipe up your blood and get the fuck mm-hmm. out and like the way she's breathing i feel like is a triumphant moment for her
1: oh yeah. yeah i, I think I, it is
0: i think it's more like I think the way she should feel is when you nearly avoid a car accident where like mm. you you just almost died and you're like still trying to figure out what just happened and you're like oh shit I could have died just now and instead it's like uh yeah I owned him and that feels like such a weird messy place to be in by the end of this and and then I mean, we we can, we can finish this thought before I back up to some other things that I didn't want to bring up, but like that, that's kind of how I felt and it kind of weird. It just weirded me out a little bit the way it, it felt like it was too, it went from being like a very serious conversation to being sort of tongue and cheeky and kind Mm -hmm. of like it, it's like, it quite literally became a slasher film at the end
1: (laughs) where you're supposed to be cheering for her. And I was like, which I think is partly why Promising Young Woman keeps coming up in my mind. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because that is sort of the, uh you know the the flow of it of like the, the horrible thing sexual assault that this person cannot recover from and the only thing left to do is to have some kind of at least violent vengeance or the desire to have vengeance you know yeah. um to to me though it just didn't um I, it didn't feel like a zag to me like it all felt like wrapped up in. you know you mentioned she has had power the whole time which is true like in the in the job and everything she had a level of power but she has not wielded power against him for the whole time yeah because of their relationship and the need for the woman to like tip around his feelings and all of these things that are like even when i have power i cannot wield it and like that final moment is like Fuck it. I can finally wield power and make him feel small the way that he manages to somehow make me feel small Even when I'm better than him in every single way. Yeah, Um, so I don't know to me. I I gotta be honest. I wasn't like taking notes or anything in the last section So for all I know it does not (laughs) unfold the way I imagined it but in my head It was a straight line um, and it never really felt like it wrapped back around to being about the whole thing.
0: Yeah, yeah Um, all right. So now now if I can wrap back around um, you know, you, you've done uh, a lot of comparing to uh, Promising Young Woman. Um, there are two aspects that I want to loop back around and compare to The Assistant. Um, and it feels like this film is wanting to comment on some of that stuff, but it, does, <laughs> it, it feels like it spends so little time actually doing it. That like, There's two moments. There's one moment where she goes to her boss after there's the big explosion that ruins that one business deal or pretend, you know, probably ruined it. They were foreign investors. Maybe the translator stopped translating and she and, and they don't know what was going on. Just that like there was a deranged person in the office breaking shit. Yeah. Um, but um, she basically kind of fabricates this whole story about how like they're definitely not together. He, she definitely never said any of that stuff to him. Um, he's been stalking her for a long time and she thought he was harmless and blah, 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 blah. And in the end... I, I still can't, I just don't know whether the boss believes her 100% or partially, but he's just like, look, we all do horrible shit. We just don't track it back to the office. And it's tr- mm-hmm. sort of making the statement about like powerful men in these roles and how like they yeah. really don't like, the. it's okay to get away with whatever you need to just don't ruin the business meeting with that kind of outburst. Like you're free to go do whatever you want with whoever you want and you'll never be in trouble for it as long as you keep making the deals and stuff like that. And it seemed like it really wanted to make this statement about like, yeah, it really is a man's world and here's how gross it is in this world. And it's kind of like their... It's the equivalent of them, like, covering up and getting rid of the bodies that, you know, yep. due to, like, her hitting somebody with her car or something like that, right? It's kind of, like, yep. it's making this statement. And then there's another similar scene where it's, like, at the end of The Assistant, there's, like, another girl coming in and showing her headshots and stuff like that. And this film does that exact sort of shot where it's, like, mm-hmm. here's the new girl that is coming in as her role. And she kind of sees who her new analyst is going to be. And obviously she's going to be, like, this girl is me. Uh, I was there. How do I protect her? And it's like, it's kind of like, it's it's sort of doing like a cyclical thing. Like, here's the next version of me. How can I bring this person up? Is she going to go everything I did? Like, but it's like, the film's not doing anything with that. It just feels like it's like doing it visually and just letting you Mm. carry everything you want into that. And it's like, it just felt like now it wants to make all these statements about the working... (laughs)
1: Cause, yeah, well, I mean, I I've, I've, so the assistant I thought about, too, I guess, since I said Royal Hotel, I didn't want to just go too kitty green about it. <laughs> um, but I, I think there's more, right? It, it's over, again, it's not subtle the way the assistant is subtle, but a lot of the chatter around the office, right? She is happy to get the promotion. And then we hear the guys implying that she must have slept with the boss or like people taking her night out where she's trying to be one of the boys and then turning it into something that sounds like, you know, uh, it becomes at her expense. Like, I feel like there are enough things where there are people murmuring around the keyboard and saying things that immediately, like, negate her or kind of take the air out of the room that it reminded me of The Assistant there, too. So I feel like it, it is saying this whole structure is completely fucked up. Yeah. Um, obviously, the extreme ones, like, guy smashing things and screaming <laughs> while they're watching an <laughs> HR video about, you know, non-toxic workplaces. <laughs> um, but, like, I feel like there's enough, there's enough of that message throughout it. It's just, like, painting the picture. I get it's different. The end is different, where it's, like, now she is in the member of the elite club where you can do whatever you want with no ramification, and the movie doesn't really want to touch that too much um but i do feel like it's painting the picture of the toxic workplace culture the whole way through yeah
0: it uh the the only other thing i was going to say and i swear I'm, i swear i could be done is yes people were spreading all the rumors and stuff like that but like the the main analyst for each pm gets to sit in on those meetings right so over time, I know I know we've already agreed that there's a very short window of time that we're watching but I feel like over time they would learn that she actually is a badass and Like didn't have to sleep with the boss to get the role because she's making all these dope mm-hmm. calls So it feels like yeah. it it wouldn't be secret for her Then because it'd be like, oh Shit, that was a really great idea. She did or Oh dang She made the
1: company a trillion dollars yesterday. Like, you know, like it feels like over time Maybe I mean, do we get any example of anyone ever saying a thing positive about a PM though? I uh, kind of feel like in this cutthroat world, they all just like fixate on why that person sucks and they went the job well, instead. i, don't, I I'm, I'm still. It seems like all of it's them. It's gendered sucked. in a way that's worse for her, but I, I don't, I'm I'm not convinced people would ever turn around.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I guess I guess they're all actually making shitty calls though.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, all of finance is a big fucking scam. <laughs> I mean, we we do see. Is it three
0: is it two or three people that we see freak out and get fired? like there's the one guy that at the beginning who's just like wrecking all the shit in his office and it goes away, yeah, and then the other guy also gets fired at some point and he freaks out um I don't remember yeah. if there's a third one or if I'm just remembering
1: uh han solo <laughs> I, I think the third blow up is Alden Aaron yeah, yeah. right uh, I think there's only two big firings it is it is funny too because just the the look and feel of those guys, I don't remember uh, the the other actor's name, but so Campbell, Eddie Marson, and then the guy who's fired early on, who's like, you know, the Zodiac killer and a million other things. Um, <laughs> the, I When we're introduced to them and they're walking and they're like in the corridors of power, I assumed they were like the co-partners of this firm, just because I don't know the it's such a big actor, right? I kind of assumed he was going to be there to stay. And then when he's just another guy getting fired by the boss, it was a... Uh, to me it was a surprise that he's just like an underling. He's not actually the, the hot shit. Yeah, yeah. Whew. Is that it, Stephen? We done? I, I think I think we're done. Uh
0: cool. I have to go uh short this company before uh
1: the <laughs> the
0: the markets open tomorrow. Smart. <laughs> All right. Thank you everybody for listening and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.